5.40 in the morning and my phone alarm is going off. 5.45, time to wake up for real. All right, it is 6.20, time for my first espresso. And it is 6.45, This is like the last chance of the day for me to get caffeine in me and not totally screw up my sleep. Let's do this. Number five, espresso. Welcome to Good and Decent, a podcast by Grotto Network. Stories of ordinary people living in extraordinary ways. Episode one, Finding Awe. There's probably nothing more universally awe-inspiring than the night sky studded with stars. Some people chase down this sense of curiosity about the stars their whole life. Mila is one of those people. Grotto sat down to talk with Mila on the rooftop of the Harvard and Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics. astronomy because it is so shamelessly about curiosity. You don't pretend that it's useful. You're just curious and then you go see how you can answer those questions. It's a warm, sunny day in Boston. The sky is clear, save for a few soft white clouds. Mila radiates excitement about her work. She wears a bright orange dress and sits comfortably in front of a large white and gray structure. A telescope, it turns out. This telescope is bigger than the entirety of my apartment. I think it's mind-blowing that we, pretty small creatures on a pretty average planet around a pretty average star in a very average galaxy out of hundreds of millions of galaxies in the visible universe, get to use our brains and computers and telescopes to study the deepest mysteries of the universe. Dark matter makes up about a fourth of the energy budget of the universe and dark energy is about 70%. And all the normal matter, which is everything that you're familiar with, is just 4% of the universe. She takes us into her office and describes her unique role in the study, the origin, and evolution of the universe. We walk with Mila down a hallway in an industrial-looking building to her office space, which is like a science teacher's dream. We see all these globes of different sizes dotting the shelves alongside of her. The way that I test different models of dark matter and dark energy is by taking different ideas and then making movies of what those ideas mean for how the universe looks over time. And then I work with my collaborators who actually use telescopes to look at the universe at different points in its history and essentially compare what they see to the movies that I make. Then she shows us the movies she's made. One looks like the inside of a lava lamp. The next looks like a time-lapse of a galaxy formation. It's like she's making art of science in these movies. You 
you can know that dark matter is there by looking at how fast stars are moving around the center of a galaxy or how fast galaxies are moving around the center of a galaxy cluster. People get caught up in all these bizarre notions that are totally constructed about what a meaningful life looks like. No, what matters is how I can see the world around me and how I can connect to it and how I can be amazed by it and how I can pursue that amazement to its end with no ulterior motives, right? After a day spent with Mila, we head back up to the roof. The sun has gone down and soon the stars will come out. She's already looking up in anticipation, her eyes surveying the night sky, her whole body at the ready for what the universe might reveal to her on this night. When you tell people you're an astronomer, the first reaction is, wow, I loved space when I was a child. Almost everybody says that. And you get to be the person who just never stopped. Wonder and awe in the study of cosmology is a grotto story. It was produced by Arya Swar and Dane Christensen. Oh, well, isn't she great? She is. I'm jealous of her. I'm jealous of her being able to look up like that and still have such wonder and joy and optimism. How you doing, Sarah? I'm great. How are you? Are you really great or are you just saying that because... I'm pretty good. But you probing like that makes me think you are not. I might be projecting. I'm not doing good. I'm I'm having a day, a day of days. What is happening on this day of days? Well. It takes big sip of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even coffee. It's throat coat tea because I'm trying to be a professional here today. On oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so today... It's a little stressful, but it kind of feels like every other day that I have had since March 13th, since going into lockdown, Um, which means all the days have been a little stressful, a little full, a little nerve wracking. What does a day in your life look like? What has been the constant since mid-March in Javi's life? Sarah, when you ask that question, I can answer it with the exact rundown of what my day is, starting at 5.40 a.m. when my alarm goes off. Let's do it. 5.45 a.m. when I have lights time to turn on to make sure that I wake up to that alarm at 5.40. What? I do. Yeah. 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 So I get up. Wow. I have my first shot of coffee, of espresso, (laughs) by like 6.05. My mouth is agape. (laughs) I wish you can see me, but people can't. And then I just had my fifth shot of espresso at uh, 12.45, which is when it usually needs to happen for me to function in the afternoon. Yeah. You're very, you're clearly a routine-driven individual, which I can appreciate. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Some would say it's boring and they would be right. Well, I think everyone's life has felt pretty boring since quarantine has kicked in and captured us all. So I would say lots of people are probably experiencing the same sort of struggle to get through the monotony of the day. It is hard, especially when you were staring at the same walls, the same rooms, the same ceilings. The same screen. The same screen. The same feelings. (laughs) It has just felt like a wash, I think, these days and weeks and months where I find myself at days thinking to myself, 
today was just like yesterday and just like the yeah. day before. And so with that said, does today matter? Which is mm -hmm. an awful thing to think, but I think it is definitely something that has come through my mind repeatedly uh, since March. Does today matter or should I just give up on it? I don't know if you had to name that, like what's missing from your life. I mean, it sounds like it's a sense of joy. I don't know, I, maybe like a sense of wonder. I think you hit it on the nail. It is wonder. It is awe. It is having the world stop because something really wonderful is before you. So it's kind of like wonder is the antidote to monotony. Can you find time for those moments like that? Can you just get yourself up and walk outside and see the sunrise and experience wonder and be like, great, now my day is starting off on a different note than it would in the monotony of things? I don't know because usually when sunrise is happening is the moment when I need my second pour of espresso. And that's just like, <laughs> I don't know if I can squeeze it in there. That's going to be tough. Yeah, so you're inside and you're debating like reach for the coffee or reach for the the door outside. Yeah, it's, it's tough. It's tough. But maybe. When was the last time you like really felt wonder and awe just bursting out of your being? When was that? So there was a moment when I was practically struck over the head with awe and wonder. And not to humble brag, but it was while I was in safari and in, I'm sorry. Uh, what was? I'm sorry. What was that? <laughs> One more time. While I was in the, on a safari. Uh, oh, <laughs> wow! When did you do that? 2015. You know that was hashtag year of safari. Um, <laughs> no, I I had an incredible opportunity in 2015 to travel to Tanzania with two really wonderful guys, uh, Pat and Pete, uh, who mm. happened to be Roman Catholic priests. I've known Pat Reedy as many things. First as my RA when I was a freshman in college, then as my confirmation sponsor, and as my mentor. And now I know him as Father Pat Reedy, Catholic priest. A few years ago, we found ourselves inexplicably in the remote village of Ketete in central Tanzania. We were there visiting a parish, St. Brendan's. As we walk along, we are surrounded by the beauty of the land. It's a warm evening. The sun is just beginning to hover at the horizon, casting an orange glow across the campus of St. Brendan's. They've got a church, a technical school, and the beginnings of a college. They've also got a rickety basketball hoop that Father Pat is about to try and dunk on with a large rock. In all my years of knowing Father Pat, I've never known him as a basketball player. Yep. Though I don't need to dribble, which is normally the issue. <laughs> right. Because while well, well, a basketball hitting my shoulder coming down is one thing. <laughs> a rock coming down hitting my shoulder. Right. All right, Reedy. As soon as I started, I was like, this motion is going to end badly. <laughs> we went to Tanzania to visit a series of religious communities from Father Pat's order. I was there to film the trip. Going on safari was never on the itinerary. It was outside of the budget. But the priest at St. Brendan's, Father Changwe, 
insisted that we had to visit the Andorra Andorra crater and take some of his younger seminarians with us. He paid for the excursion himself, which was a huge and unexpected gift. His parish had only just got electricity a few weeks earlier. So imagine our surprise as we load into a Land Cruiser and basically drive onto Pride Rock from Disney's The Lion King. All around the truck are wildebeest, hyenas, zebras, elephants, a rhino, and so much more. All of the Tanzanian seminarians are grinning and ecstatic. We're all jumping over each other in the truck, trying to get the best view out the window of whatever animals around us. They've never seen this incredible stretch of land either. We're all in awe. The closest I thought I'd get to this is an animated Disney movie. ourselves surrounded by the beauty of God's creation, we offer great thanksgiving. We give praise and thanks to God as we begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The Lord be with you. So I celebrated Mass in the middle of the Ngoro Ngoro crater. There aren't many altars in the middle of the crater. Um, we made do with the hood of our land cruiser. <laughs> which was stupendous to begin with, and as a tall person, I appreciated the hype. <laughs> that laugh you hear is Father Pete McCormick, another wonderful Holy Cross priest on this trip. I sat down with the two to take stock of what this incredible experience had meant to them. It was a gorgeous setting for an interview. The Great Rift Valley just a few miles off in the distance, the sun soft and golden across St. Brendan's fields, boys from the surrounding villages playing soccer in the evening's glow. <laughs> to to hear the words of scripture to hear the first reading was was from Exodus the giving of the 10 commandments the gospel reading was about seeds being sown in different places to to pray the eucharistic prayer to to look around and exchange peace in the midst of in the midst of something so much bigger than me. I've known Pat as many things over the years. Friend, mentor, priest. And perhaps more memorable than celebrating Mass with him in the Andorandor crater was seeing how emotional the experience had made him. You can't see it, but right there, he's wiping a tear away from his eyes, just talking about the Mass. It brought together for a rare moment in my priesthood, the utter incomprehensibility of the Mass, the celebration of the Eucharist, and the drawing together of heaven and earth, the bringing into communion the whole communion of saints, was utterly astounding. Utterly astounding. And, and I guess maybe because I grew up finding God in nature that being amidst natural beauty is going gonna, is gonna to allow my wires to cross in such a way that that connection can be made. But to hear the words of scripture and to pray the prayers looking out upon this awe-inspiring creation was, was something else. 
and it was on the hood of a Land Cruiser, which is just, <laughs> which is just ridiculous. Like who who does that? It was so cool. The safari was an unforgettable experience, but so was this interview. I got to see my friend's joy at his chosen path in life, one very different than mine. But there in Tanzania, in the Ndorondor crater, atop this land cruiser, he had found himself right where God wanted him to be. Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God. Thanks, dudes. Thank you for your help. I'm guessing you're one of the few priests who can say that he celebrated Mass in that space as well. Yeah. Be my yeah, guess. That was, a, that was a different kind of consecration of the space. <laughs> Celebrating Mass in the Ngorogoro Crater is a grotto story. It was produced by me, Javi Zubizarreta. So I wasn't just on this trip as some sort of joyride with these two priests. I, I, I was there for work. Uh, I was filming this uh, excursion. I'm filming Mass, but also I'm celebrating Mass. I'm, I'm taking part in it as, as a Catholic. Which is a very strange thing to be trying to split those two two roles of worship and filming. Hmm. We were all really emotional because of that 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 coming together of sacrament and and environment. Hmm. And uh, I talked to Pat about it afterwards. He was really emotional about it too. You know, Pat is a young priest. He was your RA. He was my RA. Oh my gosh, that's funny. I looked up to him like he was the greatest greatest thing since sliced bread. He helped me through every freshman year crisis. But, you know, Pat was only only a few years into the priesthood at that point. It was just an incredibly beautiful moment for him. It sounds amazing. First of all, I'm incredibly jealous that you were on yeah, safari. Pretty cool. <laughs> with With your band of men riding riding through, you know, your herd of zebras. But, yeah, sounds like just an incredible opportunity. And, yeah, I mean, I wonder – I don't know. I sort of so like if that has stuck with you this much, right? Yeah. If that's something that you keep coming back to, I, I I assume it has to be that way for Pat too. I sort of wonder what it would be like to catch up with him and and kind of mm. ask him if he's suffering from the same thing we all are, you know, the monotony of life in quarantine, and and kind of I don't know what he has to say about finding wonder and awe mm. in this kind of weird time that we're living in. Well, I, I'm still on speaking terms with him, despite all uh, <laughs> my freshman year shenanigans. Should I give him a ring? <laughs> I think that'd be great, yeah. All right, let's see if he answers. How you doing, Pat? Doing great. It's nice to see you. How's life out there in Yale? Oh man, you know, it's it's just a nonstop thrill ride, really. There's, you know, nothing more bolstering to your self-confidence as a as a budding attorney than knowing that you don't understand the internal revenue code. <laughs> but no, all's all's well. I I could be I could be doing a lot worse. So Pat, I don't know if you remember, but uh back when I was a freshman and you were a senior in undergrad and you were my RA, I remember coming to you late one night about three in the morning asking for all sorts of big life existential questions. And thankfully it's not three in the morning, but um I've got some more big questions for you. Think you can help me out? 
we'll see what we can do. Back in those days, <laughs> I think three in the morning was my normal operating hours, but I'm grateful to uh, grateful to visit with you. Yeah, absolutely. So we were talking today um, about the monotony that I think we find ourselves in in this current moment with COVID, with staying at home, staying isolated. Um, I know for me, it's been both a way to stay sane and a way to stay safe is to keep the same routine over and over and over again to the point where I can like tell to the exact minute uh, that it's time for my third coffee of the day. But we were talking about this boredom and uh, Sarah asked me, when was the last time you felt such incredible awe? And my mind went to a moment that we had together in Tanzania a few years back and you said mass for us and a small group of Tanzanian and East African seminarians. I'm just curious, what do you recall most from that moment? Yeah, gosh, that's a wonderful place to, to return to, particularly when in this moment, like you, I feel like I'm, I'm sort of living Groundhog's Day, you know, the, the same sort of wake up, pray, work, do the same thing over and over again here in the, uh, in the church basement. What strikes me most in remembering Tanzania and the Ngoro Ngoro crater is the fact that mass happened at all. And, and at first glance, that shouldn't be super striking. We brought a mass kit. We had multiple priests, myself included, a group of seminarians, like the thing you were going to do that day was celebrate mass. But we unfolded a corporal like we always do. Mm-hmm. And we set a few stones on it because, as I recall, yeah. we didn't want the whole mass to blow away midway <laughs> through. But, but we unfolded a corporal and set up an altar on the hood of a land cruiser. All of that incredible particularity in a situation that that was so otherworldly. I don't know. It's it's hard not to feel like the mass is always supposed to be sort of mm-hmm. otherworldly. Right. right. I'm at a chapel where where we celebrate mass for a recorded audience. Everything that is supposed to be profound about the mass can mm-hmm. can at times feel reduced to to the monotonous. And and in that yeah. moment there was nothing there was nothing monotonous about it. It was utterly extraordinary. Yeah. How have you been finding awe, joy, wonder in the monotony of, of the day-to-day here? There are, are little moments that sort of surprise you. And it's those moments that I think, I would love to say that I'm you know such a saintly person that gratitude is just that I'm always a, a charitable person. And, and that's just factually inaccurate. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what happens instead is that there'll be little moments mm-hmm. that, that are otherwise completely ordinary. And something within that, that I, you know, am too far along this Christian discipleship road not to attribute to providence or the movement of the Holy Spirit, some little thing that transfixes my attention. Most of our lives are lived so quickly and in Mm -hmm. such distracted fashion that, paraphrasing Ferris Bueller, life moves so fast that we don't slow down and we miss it, right? Um, and, and so one of the little traditions for me in the last year or so has been, mm-hmm. I've slowly been refurbishing my parents' old vinyl record collection. Oh, um, fantastic. And my, par- my parents grew up in a generation with just tremendous music. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I would, I would take on a given evening one or two of these old re- records, you know, Rumors by Fleetwood Mac or, 
or born in the USA by Bruce Springsteen and, and, you know, just kind of clean it up, remove the Mm -hmm. static and just sit and listen to it. Mm. And, and not only is there something really powerful about listening to a whole album, which none of us do in the age of Spotify, but with some of these old records, you literally have the mailing label Hmm. from my mom, her (laughs) maiden name, Jeannie Minoni Mm. from Highland Park, Illinois. And in a moment, I'm back in her Mm. college experience. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm back with my dad as a young professional before he ever met my mom. And there's a whole new depth of, of love and appreciation for my parents born out of a vinyl record. Right. You know, and, and, and the conversations that have ensued because of that, being able to, to talk with my parents about when they first met, when they Mm -hmm. were first dating about some of their old friendships. And not only does that invite them to, to reflect meaningfully on, on their own lives, but, but as Mm -hmm. their son, you know, these are conversations that, that are, are wonderful gifts and and ones that I don't take for granted as I get older. And as my parents get older, it's, easy in a way to to think about awe before the grandeur of God when you are on the edge of a crater that contains some of creation's most wildly impressive mesmerizing beauty or or gazing through a telescope literally upon the created cosmos it's it's a different thing when you feel like you know my my creation is my apartment and my coffee maker and my zoom screen and my inbox right like there's there's a way in which at face value there's not a lot to to awe at there and and most people's notion of awe is is awe at the end of the week that they manage to get through it all right (laughs) whatever it is that that they sort of were made to carry but there's something actually awesome in an awful kind of way about the very, I don't want to put this, the shared fragility of humanity right now is itself something that's worthy of awe. And the stories of people sharing humanity, discovering anew their own humanity, the humanity of their neighbors. And for me, the the kind of awe that allows you to find God in the Angoro Angoro crater or peering through a telescope upon the cosmos is also something that we can encounter through remembrance mm-hmm. of generosity, through remembrance of self-gift, through through any moment in which we've we've encountered ourselves as real and loved. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah, it's great if you find yourself in Rocky Mountain National Park and and you're you know gazing out upon the Rocky Mountains. It's it's yeah. wonderful if you can study the inner workings of creation and witness something like what you know any number of of scientists can can perceive. But most of us don't have those opportunities every day, and especially not during a pandemic. And yeah. I think we can actually go there. Mm by by way of memory in the way that every time we celebrate the eucharist we we become what we receive by doing this 
in memory of Jesus, mm-hmm. right? That that whole act of memory, the you know, the fancy term is is anamnesis that mm-hmm. that we recreate by way of memory that which we celebrate, and by recreating, we re- we recreate ourselves. We literally remember ourselves as the body of Christ, and that sort of remembrance is something that can be practiced every day. Even if I don't talk to my parents tonight, even if I don't throw on Linda Ronstadt, like I, I can go to a place. If I give myself five minutes, I can go to a place of, of remembering the generosity of my parents, the self gift of my parents, the joy of my parents. That isn't the same as, as being in their house back in Colorado, certainly, but but it's also something that if given enough time and enough space to perceive it, the kind of time and space that we can give when the world allows us to slow down a little bit, um, that you can discover a real kind of awe there too. Pat, Father Pat, uh, former RA Pat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if, if you had an exercise for me to, to practice what you just described there, or if you had maybe some direction to give me, I don't have any vinyl records. So that's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's not necessarily going to work. I mean, there's a, there's a simple tradition in, in the church that, that many religious pray and, mm-hmm. and it's not, you know, exclusive to, to those who are consecrated or ordained called the examine. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, it's a prayer that, that many, many people offer at the end of their days in, in seeking to review the movements of a particular day, because what the examine invites us to do is to look to those moments in our day when we experienced consolation or desolation. Consolation being those, those kinds of moments when we feel most alive, when we, when we feel a, a sense of joy or fullness, hope, trust, goodness, love, like those sorts of realities, more than simple emotionality, those sorts of realities in our day are ones that we may not always be able to name in the moment, but in reflecting after the fact, we can point to this conversation, this encounter, even this challenge and see a certain deep kind of joy mm-hmm. at work. And, and we would say that's, that's a place where where God has been at work mm-hmm. and, and we can find a, a sort of awe at that. Conversely, in moments where, where we feel sort of desolate, if we reflect on, on a moment that made us doubt ourselves, that, that made us particularly anxious or fearful or lonely or sad, not that those aren't realities, especially in a painfully difficult year, but those might be moments where where God was calling us more deeply into relationship with God or with someone else. Right. And, and in those moments to be able at the end of the day to pay attention and, and to see how those moments played out, how those moments impacted the rest of our day, that can give us a sense moving into the next day where and how it is that we might encounter God and how it is ultimately that we can invite God to be a part of our entire day. Okay, well, it sounds like something I can do. It sounds like something we can 
keep it go here. Thank you for that, Pat. Thank you. Likewise, Javi. It's always a, it's always great to be able to talk with you. And thanks in the midst of the monotony of this moment for for an opportunity to remember a time when when I certainly felt very alive in no small part because of your friendship and, and your discipleship. So God bless. Too. God bless. just a wonderful conversation. Yeah. But I like how you guys kept coming back to heightened senses of wonder and awe that you've yeah. experienced in your life. Yeah. And how you have this sense that creation is just alive in those moments. Mm-hmm. And I think Mila Mila feels that way too when she looks out at the night sky like this is the this is the universe alive and speaking to us if we have the stillness and solitude to receive it. And not just the stillness and the solitude, but the dedication to keep looking up. You know, I think that's something that I love so much about Mila's story is that she says, you know, everyone used to love looking at the stars and wanted to be an astronomer when they were a kid. But she keeps looking up, keeps looking out there, whether it's, you know, to the North Star or to some faraway galaxy cluster, you know, light years away. Um, I think it's a reminder to what Father Pat said is, too, that finding awe is a practice And if you just rely on the times you go to safari in Tanzania to find awe. (laughs) Which for most of us are, never. Exactly. You're going to be pretty pressed to find wonder in your life. I loved his example of one of his practices of wonder is to just sit and listen to an entire vinyl record from his parents' collection. So great. I love that because so many of us are kind of use music as like background, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of like sitting and listening and appreciating. Yeah. And so I just thought that was a great, that these practices of wonder don't have to be super grand. They can be really simple. What did, yeah, what did you take away in terms of practices? We, we started this conversation talking about how I drink the same amount of coffee at the exact same moment of every day, and I do the same routine every day, and I work out at the same moment every day, and then I do all these things at the same time every day, and feeling that as something really awful and sort of a weight on me. Mm. But thinking of what Father Pat said about praying the exam, which I've never done before, but maybe I can sit in those moments and really consider what beauty I might find there. I think that's awesome. I I think that examine, as he described it, is a really accessible way for us to reflect on our day. It's really just how did creation come alive for me today? And this nightly reflection, which we call the examine, could be a great practice for us to, to try to practice wonder and awe. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to give it a go tonight. You are. Good for you. I might stare at the stars. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? We'll see. <laughs> I love that. And I, yeah. I I, can't wait to hear, you know, what happened, what the fruit of that mm-hmm. reflection is. Yeah. Absolutely. I'll keep you posted. Eight thirty at night. I am going to head to bed and I am going to try the examine. For the first time uh, that Father Pat told me about. Let's see how this goes.
This episode was hosted by Javi Zubizarreta and Sarah Toms. It was produced and edited by Josh Long. Grotto Network is senior producer Javi Zubizarreta and senior editor Josh Nome. Liz Colloran is the assignment desk and event program manager. Michaela Douglas, web content strategist. Becky Ottman, graphic designer. Josh Long, producer. Ben Cruz, associate producer. That's me. Adrian Garalde is our social media manager. And Jesse McCartney is our outgoing social media manager. We will miss her deeply. Tara Kelly and Aaron Williams are our treasured video interns.